0: Amen. I love that where they say, and the power. And the power. So, good morning. My name is Maureen Brown, and it's a privilege to be with you this morning and bring the next message in our series of uh, Teach Us to Pray. And so we have been going through the Lord's Prayer as a model to learn how to pray, and I think if Jesus taught his disciples that way and we're his disciples, doesn't it just make sense that that's a good resource and a way for us to go Till We have been working through the different lines of the Lord's Prayer. We've worked through our Father in Heaven, hallowed be thy name, the fact that there's power in that name, and this morning we are focusing on the line, your kingdom come. I have appreciated this series on Teach Us to Pray, and I think because uh, we, we all experience maybe a little bit of insecurity When it comes to praying together, especially in groups, maybe when it comes to praying out loud, that's why I'm so thankful for Pastor Reg, our transitional pastor's focus. Anytime he goes in to do transitional work, it starts with prayer. And so we've been meeting in prayer triads and leaning into um, what the Lord is speaking to us through scripture and how he's calling us to pray for our church. And I have just loved my prayer triad. My prayer tribe is a little unique because there's four of us. Pastor Reg said we could do that, so we kind of call ourselves a a quad. (laughs) But I'm so thankful for Rebecca and Jan and Christina. We meet together, we pray together, we dig into God's word, and uh, we learn and grow in our prayer together. So we had children say the Lord's Prayer for us this morning. And I always learn from kids. And with it being Mother's Day, I thought I would love to just invite you to listen to a little bit of advice on how to pray out of the mouths of children. So just watch this. I do short prayers. Some people don't like waiting too much for our prayers. They really like to eat, just like me. Fold your arms and say something while you fold your arms. Kneel down and fold your arms and just say stuff. You have to close your eyes and you have to bow your head and you have to shut your mouth. Sometimes when you say prayers, um you have you don't have anything to like n- know to say in the prayer. <laughs> what should I say? Exactly. To tell how we find what we need. And that we may be safe and drive home safely too. I, I asked him for a good day. That's what I blessed. I love Jesus. Awesome. Now to follow all of those things, like cross your arms, bow down, and then to close your mouth, I think that child might have been told, Quit talking while someone else is praying. I'm not sure what happened there. I love the beginning when it says, Keep your prayers. Some people like them short. So, I just got to tell you a little bit of a story at our house with my grandson Nash. Nash is two, he's turning three tomorrow. When it's Nash's time to pray, (laughs) it doesn't really matter how many people are at the table, he will pray around the table. I love it. It's nothing short. And if you're hungry, you got to wait because he'll go through the events of your day. Thank you that grandma could go to church, and thank you that she could have lunch with someone, and thank you. And if he knows the stuff, it's thank you for everything. And so his definitely aren't short. We love it. That last line with that little girl, that I love Jesus, I'm wondering how profound that was to think of when we come to our prayer. So I'm hoping this morning we will move a little closer to understanding what it really means to pray your kingdom come. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we have sensed your presence here this morning, and Lord, I just ask that you would continue, Holy Spirit, to speak. You are the true teacher. May the things that are of me fall away, but Lord, may it be the things that are of you, those be the things that really stick and stay and speak to us. Thank you, Lord. We love you, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. So how would you describe the kingdom of God? That's a big phrase. If you break the word down into two parts, it's kingdom, first king, so that's a ruler, and then the second part is like, the root of that is domain, so it's a space, right, a place. The Greek word is basilia, and basilia means an ultimate reign over a domain. So the kingdom of God or the reign of God is a foundational concept in our faith in Christianity, and it's the central theme of Jesus' message in the gospel. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, phrase kingdom of God is used, if you Google search it, it'll say in the New Testament it's more than 162 times that is mentioned, more than that, and it's defined almost entirely in parables. Jesus often taught in parables, and at times it left his listeners puzzled or confused. And so when trying to explain the kingdom of God, he said um, the, the kingdom of God is like a, the, it's the, a mustard seed. And he taught the parable of the mustard seed. It's just like a tiny little seed that when you plant it, it will grow into a big, beautiful plant. And then he shared the parable of yeast with the woman who took a little bit of yeast and she mixed it into about 60 pounds of flour so that it it infiltrated the whole thing, the whole batch and grew to the whole batch of 60 pounds of flour. And so as I prepared for this message, I have been asking people how they would describe the kingdom of God. And if you were one of those people that just hoped for a conversation that started with, hey, how's your day going? And you got, how do you describe the kingdom of God? I apologize, but I also thank you. Because that was really helpful to hear those answers. And some of those people were the worship team on Wednesday night. When we met together to pray for the service this morning, we talked about that. And I asked the question, how would you define the kingdom of God? Each of them had a slightly different answer, and yet each of the answers felt right. As Jesus began His ministry, in, uh, in, it says in the Bible in Matthew 4, 23, that He went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So the concept of the kingdom of God was central to the teaching of Jesus. And therefore, it's really critical to our understanding of what it means to believe in and follow Christ. So as we consider the complexity of the kingdom of God, I have found, and I think it's helpful, to look through the lens of four realities. So to begin with, there are the two realities that the kingdom of God is both the present and the future. In Luke 17, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied with this, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, Here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. When Jesus showed up on earth, the kingdom had effectively come. And Jesus said in Mark 1.15, The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. Repent. Seems like that's a pretty important and significant word. He didn't say, the kingdom of God is here. Enjoy and believe the good news. He said, repent. Signifying the brokenness that resulted from the fall when sin entered the world. Sin that we're born into. There is a growing movement that I believe is dangerous that wants us to focus on the goodness of humanity only and not our need of a savior. But then as one of our worship songs sang, what about the cross? What does that do with the cross? I am so thankful that Jesus did go to the cross atoning for our sin and that that debt has been paid and we can enjoy the kingdom of God because of that but jesus said the kingdom would also emerge in its fullness in the future it's a work in progress so what is the kingdom of god i guess it starts with it's both now and not yet and what does it mean to pray your kingdom come well if it's both now and not yet i think that it's helpful to look through the lens of two other realities The reality that the kingdom of God impacts us inwardly and outwardly. Inward. The kingdom of God can transform us individually. And how does that happen? It happens when we accept Jesus' gift of salvation, the payment for our sins, the death on the cross. And Jesus said in John 3:3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. The challenge with the people of Jesus' day was that they expected the kingdom would be political in nature and that it would transform their nation into a world power. But it was not political in nature, and it did not transform their nation into a world power. It was personal first. Jesus said in Matthew 18, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So maybe that's why I'm so drawn to children when it comes to just that pure, innocent faith because Jesus often used children when he was talking. He said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is made up of such as these. Don't hinder them from coming to me because my kingdom is made up of them. A childlike faith, one that accepts the truth as truth. Not my truth, not your truth, but the truth. And so I'd encourage us not to be tempted to believe the lie that there's no divine truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come, come to the Father except through me. And then we have this mission that's outward, and it's really exciting, because when we pray your kingdom come, we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And when we name and proclaim Jesus as our King, we welcome the kingdom on earth. And you know, sometimes we'll say, Well, I'm not really, I don't really have the gift of praying for intercession. I'm going, if you pray that with your heart, we do. When we are praying, your kingdom come, we are interceding for what God wants to do on earth. And you know, sometimes we might ask, well, how do we live as kingdom people? What you're saying, Maureen, those are part of what I, Like, how do I live like that? I think the Bible has so many things to offer us in Jesus' words at what it means to live as kingdom people. Matthew 7, 16 says, We will be known as kingdom people by our fruit. So what are we doing with what we possess? By the fruits. Are we living in the, out the fruits that God calls us to? In John 13, 35, it says, We will be known by our love. Kingdom people will be known by their love and the love that they have. And then in 1 John 3, 10, it says, We will be known by doing what is right in the eyes of God. Hmm. Known by our righteousness, doing what is right in the eyes of God. So if you put those together, the fruit and the love and doing what's right in the eyes of God, it's a pretty good formula for praying your kingdom come. But I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because I would never teach or get up and share if I didn't really acknowledge and know that the Holy Spirit is a true teacher. So I believe that there's a message from the Holy Spirit for each of you in this room and online individually of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and grow you as kingdom people. So, what is the kingdom of God? Well, it's not a physical place, there are no boundaries. It was established on earth when Jesus came into the world, gave his life, and rose from the dead, and yet it's eternal, it's eternity. We receive it by faith, by saving faith in Christ alone. Jesus is the king. It's not a democracy. It's a monarchy. But there is no royal line to continue being fulfilled. The line was the line of David, and it's now complete. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the kingdom of God is all believers everywhere, the church. So we're the local church, but it's the global church. If you love Jesus and accept his saving faith, you are in the kingdom of God. So the four realities, it's both now and not yet. It's inward, it's personal, and yet it's outward and it's communal. So to to sincerely pray, your kingdom come means to accept what Jesus has done to bring his kingdom to the earth. And it also means to invite others to do the same. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7, to is by far Jesus' longest explanation of what it looks like to live as part of God's kingdom. And he summarized it in chapter 6, verse 33, with this, "...but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness." and all these things will be given to you as well. It's when we get it the other way around that we get off track. When we are after the things first, and Jesus is what we tag on to the end. When we grab hold of something that we think is important and we hold on so tight that it takes over, we aren't really focusing or seeking the kingdom first. Those things can be passions that we have, and you know, they can be things that are good things, important things, but focusing on them more than Jesus puts it out of context. We ourselves become trapped, we become in bondage, and we get off track. Now, if there's any pilots, is anyone a pilot in the room here? I know some of you have taken pilot flight. Yeah, I see some hands up. Yay. Okay. You can... Check if I'm right with this rule. Maybe not publicly if I'm wrong. Let's talk after. (laughs) But I know we do have some flight attendants too. But as I studied their experts in air navigation have a rule of thumb known as the one in 60 rule. And it states that for every one degree a plane veers off its course, it misses its target destination by one mile for every 60 miles you fly. So this means that the further you travel, the further you are from your destination. The further you keep going, just that one degree, the further you're off from your destination. Is that a thumbs up? He gave me a thumbs up, yay. (laughs) Research is right. So you know what, when I read that, I had to ask myself, is there a thing that I'm putting ahead of Jesus just one degree off? Because if we put ahead of Jesus one degree, him or saving grace, we will end up where we never intended to be. In many parts of the world, there's this way that people trap monkeys. And maybe you've heard of it. It's called a monkey, just a monkey trap. They hollow out gourds and coconuts and they place treats inside that would be desirable for the monkey. Sometimes it's mush up banana, sometimes it's nut meat. And they hang these in trees or lay them on the ground. And a monkey comes and is excited for the treat and puts their hand inside and grabs hold of the prize that's really good, that they really want. But when they clutch their hand on the thing that they think is so great, they can't get their hand out of the heavy gourd. And they lay there on the ground or they hang in the tree, waiting to be captured. They've lost their freedom. Sometimes we hold on to things that aren't seeking God's kingdom first, and we hold on so tightly. They might be only one degree off, but if we keep going, they will lead us into places that we never intended to be. Sometimes it's theology that seems right, but it's dangerous, and we head down a destructive path. Sometimes it's passions we have about important things that we hold on to so tightly that they get us off track. Or we hold on and fight for control of people, of our loved ones, of things, maybe even unforgiveness, bitterness, or resentment. And we just need to let go so that God can do what only He can do. I'd like to invite the worship band to make their way back up. Cuz as we come towards the close, I'm not sure what your thing is. I need to tell you that as I prepared, or I think anyone that ever speaks would say the biggest work happens before you share. Cuz the biggest work happens in your own heart and your own life. So when when I was doing this, I was thinking, what's my thing? What's my thing that I'm holding on to so tightly? that I'm not letting go, and it's actually hindering me seeking first the kingdom of God. And you know what? God dealt with me with a number of things. And so this morning, i just like to ask, what's your thing? I'm not sure what it is. I don't know. But I know that God does. And if your heart is maybe kind of pounding, or your palms are kind of clammy, because that's what happens to me, (laughs) It might be that God is wanting you to pay attention to something. Maybe this morning is the morning that you're feeling the Spirit say, just unclench your fist and you'll be free. Let go. Really seek first the kingdom of God. And you know, I think, okay, we're in this message and it's Mother's Day and I'd love to do, but I I can't think of a better message for any of us. On a day when we want to honor somebody, it's seeking first. What a great way to leave, saying, that's what I want to do. I want to seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added to you. The things that are, if they're important to you, and they matter to God, those things will be added. We're going to sing a couple of songs before we go into the closing um, of the service. And so just as I was preparing, I just felt, I I think that sometimes when we're talking about prayer, you don't have to tell someone your thing, but sometimes you just want to pray with someone and say, will you pray for me? I'm becoming aware of things, something I'm holding on to too tightly. And sometimes it's just that I'm willing to be made willing to let go. Maybe today's not the day you can say, "I, I want to let go of it, but maybe today's the day you can say, I want to be willing to be made willing to let go of that. And so maybe you want someone to pray with you. I will be up here. Pastor Kevin will be up here. If there's some other prayer people, you're welcome to join us. In these next two songs, uh, maybe you want to just pray about that. We would love to pray with you. Because if we find ourselves holding on and it's hard to let go, it's hard to pray your kingdom come. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for uh, your presence. I thank you for the the Lord's Prayer, that you want to teach us how to pray, and you want to just not have us say the words as trite words, but you really want us to experience them and know them and and lean into them. So this morning, Lord, as we think about the phrase, your kingdom come, Lord, I pray that we would just really um, lean into that as... Yeah, Lord, we want you to be the king of our lives. And if there are things that we're holding on to that seem to be getting us just a little bit off track, Lord, will you speak to us this morning? And will you just just remind us of your grace and your freedom that comes with that and just how much you celebrate that and celebrate that openness and our opening up to you and what you want to do. We will do what we do, but Lord, there's things that only you can do. And when we let go, it seems like we allow those things that only you can do. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. And uh, Lord, I ask and pray all of these things in your name. Amen.